Hey, this is PJ Souls, and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! Keep listening. your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that appreciates having options when it comes to shopping for spatulas my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode uh we're we're straying off course for a a month-long vacation as we look into some of our favorite non-horror films and we start by getting weird with 1989's UHF. And whether you've worn a fake mustache or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your. And I can't say you will find us doing that out on our social medias. I don't know. Maybe. I'm going to do the TikToks. Yeah, I was going to say, put it out there. <laughs> put it out there so they have some frame of reference. Uh, but you can find us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and weird shenanigans. And uh, as this episode is releasing on Friday, April 14th, if you find yourself in the Kansas City area, you should be heading over to screenland.com. Uh, and uh, actually, if you go to a little Friday Night Frights tab uh-huh. uh, over there, uh, you can look for our latest Friday Night Fright, which is noticeably absent. Right. And this is what you should be heading on down to Screenland because we will be in the throngs of panic. I do believe a waist deep at this point. Oh, we're neck deep. We're farther deep in there. We're 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 full panic mode. Well, the Friday this is releasing at this point. If you are listening to this episode on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, we will be experiencing the secret screening of Joe the 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 Joe Lynch hosted secret screening mm-hmm. of a. Let me just say this. Since we're kind of people who know people, we know what's playing. It's an I've seen that. Me too. And I'm super excited to see it for the first time with an audience, much like we did with Surf 2 last last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Now, that being said, I know it is playing against Evil Dead Rise. Right. But that's playing, like, I think the following week, so I'm... I can't... I'm, I, I can, I have, there's enough... Panic Fest goodness for the rest of the week yeah. to satiate me until I get to that weekend where I can see it again. Yeah, I think, and let's just say there's going to be a reason why I will be wearing a mustache mm-hmm. the weekend of Panic Fest. So my apologies <laughs> in advance at this point. Uh, now that being said, looking forward to next Friday, which we do have a Friday Night Fright. Uh, for me, it's a movie I haven't seen since I did see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's an I've seen that for you. It's an I've seen that for me. But strangely enough, 
It's not and I've seen that for Mount Baldy. Crazy. So right? th- this is going to be a first time viewing of a disturbing behavior. Yeah. Because I always got it mixed up with all the other, like, teaching Mrs. Tingle and the faculty and all that other stuff. It's the and late so, 90s. Right. It's the style of the times. It was the end of the belt. But it was uh, on Jinkos. Yeah, it was. Which would have been appropriate. Big, big legged, wide legged onion on the belt. So uh, that being said, uh, again, all the goodness that's going to be going on uh, the weekend of Panic Fest, this Friday Night Fright, all the other Friday Night Frights, uh, again, that'll be found at Mm Screenland.com. But if you'd like to help support them from afar, because again, they're an awesome little independent mom and pop theater here, uh, the best way is to become a member of their film family by going to Patreon.com slash Screenland. The genius? I'm talking uh, Patreon and film family. A bellies. We also have our own little crazy collection of pallies at uh, Patreon, our film family, mm-hmm. of which we're going to see a number of them right now at Panic Fest. Oh, yeah. We already know a whole bunch are going to be there. We're, I'm waiting for the surprise ones that we don't know are going to be there. That'll be the good thing. And I will say this. Please, if you're hearing this, say hi. I know Genius, It's going. he's going to be hard not to say hi to, but... I'm trying to be more yeah. not antisocial, more not introvert, but cautious introvert. Yeah. So please say hi. And, and please forgive if I've, you're like, do you remember me? We met a couple of years ago. If my memory and my facial things are going away, right? So like, okay, cool. So you got to forgive. So like, and again, if you never talked to us before and you see us, say, hey, come and introduce yourself. You know, it's gonna be fucking rad. We're we're always we're always welcome to new family members and old family members. And Panic Fest is where we make memories. It is, and it's cool. I'm so excited to see some old people that I know are coming again, and I'm excited to see who else. But like, I know we're gonna see like the blonde in front. Katie's gonna be there. Yeah, we're gonna see some old friends, and so yeah. It's. I'm very, very much looking forward to it. Me too. Now that being said, I do believe some of our film family members are gonna have. Early access mm-hmm. to the stuff that we're going to be putting out on the main feed of said <clears throat> Panic Fest shenanigans and memories. Yeah. Shenanigans. So if you'd like to have access to that and so much more, head on over to patreon.com slash Nightmare Junkhead, where we do have a lot of good stuff coming up. Now, that being said, this episode is after our Panic Fest preview. So if you want to, if you want to know what you should be watching and attending Listen this to last week's episode. Absolutely. But we got through this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness. And this is started something new. This is something that I kind of dig. Well, it should be noted, the, epi- the day we recorded our Panic Fest preview, mm-hmm. Evil Dead from 2013 was beat uh, Sleepaway, Sleepaway Camp, Camp, which I was not expecting. First of all, I had Jurassic Park going versus Sleepaway Camp with Jurassic Park winning. As did I. Uh-huh. As did I think. Many a people. Uh-huh. So again, thank you, Adrian Torres, for that. Yeah, I, I think you know what. Thank you, Adrian Torres. It made it wonderful because this is the first time in its uh, seven-year run. Yeah, that a contemporary film. I e. dig not, it. Yeah, I not dig something it. from the seventies or eighties to win mm-hmm. the whole thing. I dig it. I really like. I, I really well deserved. Mm-hmm. Well deserved. If anything was going to beat Jurassic Park, it should have. It should be Evil Dead. Yeah, the Evil Dead, and the Swallowed fact that. The week that it won was Evil Dead Rises coming up. Also, but it, the week it won was its initial uh, premiere ten years ago. So I don't know if it was destined to win that particular week. At Dead Eye Destiny. It's this is not rigged. We swear. Uh-uh, there's no claw to rotten something around <laughs> <laughs> nosebleed. But that being said, I am very much looking forward to Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. 
It looks good. I kind of have high expectations. Me too. And I'm trying not to, but it's kind of hard. So that is a long way to say again, congratulations to both uh, Sleepaway Camp, uh, The Evil Dead, mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. All representatives, representatives you know, of the Frightful Four. Mad shout out to Jason Goes to Hell. That was I was not expecting that. Not, but you know what? Power of Creighton Duke, baby. And again, thanks to everyone that uh, came in and talked with us, uh, everyone that voted, participated. Mm-hmm. This is always a good time. Absolutely. You're and all fucking rad. We're reaching out to many more people for next year. Some first-timers, ideally, we're going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. <sighs> now, that being said, it's a long way of saying we wanted to do something different here in the month of April. Yes. To stray off course. But to stay on brand. Exactly. Because we're also going to see a lot of like horror goodness coming up this weekend at Panic Fest. A lot of genre. Right. And so we're like, all right, we need a little bit of like, we're still heading, to, again, staying on brand, but we're veering off a little bit. We need to palate cleanse. Palate cleanse. Taking a vacation from genre. Mm-hmm. Not the softer side of Junkhead. No. But the other side. The other side. Of Junkhead. The stuff that occupies the other hour of the 24 hours exactly exactly workplace sleep and what we decided to do was with the three remaining episodes here in april was for you to choose a movie for an episode for me to choose a movie for an episode and then for us to choose a movie for an episode uh-huh. and this one is totally you genius and i want to take it back to why you chose this particular movie. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this movie, no matter what mood I'm in. Bad, m- stressed, the weight of the world, for an hour and a half, I can laugh. And the jokes are consistent, and I can know the jokes by heart, and they just get funnier. They get funnier every time I sing them, you know? And so... It's just one of those feel-good movies for me. It's inoffensive. It's uh, playful. It's not mean-spirited. It's just goofy. Like, if we do it again next year, I might put Paddington 2 in the mix. Just (laughs) fun. Don't hurt nobody. Don't want to... It just wants to be funny. Mm -hmm. Just type of movie. And I... There's something lost. And also, it's... Really, really nostalgic. Really nostalgic. Just, it's been with me since I was a wee lad. And what's great is, can you recall the first time you saw it? Oh, absolutely. One of my absolute favorite movie experiences. And uh, we're all about the experiences on this show. Oh, yes. We've seen the power of movies, the transformative for good and for bad. And how those relationships are formed and where mm-hmm. they start. Exactly. So I remember this wasn't with my family. This was my cousin and her family. They're like, hey, because there was a drive-in about 
two blocks, four blocks away from my house, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up, so which, by the way, is it still here? Uh, no, nope. absolutely okay. not, okay. absolutely not. It the, the Ponderosa that was right next to it's not even there. Oh, One's right. like a di- and the, 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 that was also right by the old Blockbuster. Wait, so you could have done dinner and a theater, uh-huh. with Ponderosa uh, and well, a drive-in? no, there was all the times to where we would go and take because they're right across the street. There was a place called Paul's Drive-in, mm-hmm. right, where you could get chicken dinners and shit, and then there was like still the Burger King and the McDonald's mm-hmm. that were still there, right? So you can get a whole shitload of snacks, or you can take like a barbecue grill because this was back in the day, and you could go to that drive-in. Oh wow! Fuck, it was called the State Avenue Drive-in on Forty Seventh and State, right? Fifty mm-hmm. Second, something around there. But you could go with two screens, right? fucking watch two movies and it was all the time they would have swapping shops it was dope because and then further down the line you'd again you'd have the ponderosa and further down the line from there you'd have indian springs so theoretically like in like a five mile radius it was fucking wonderland growing up in the early and late 80s so i remember vividly my cousins were going like hey we're gonna go to the drive-in do you want to come? Because they had a kid my age, mm-hmm. and we we're there. In the, he, their kid was hyped up to see a little small independent movie that was coming out. That was part of the double bill. Of it was called. Um, let me see if I remember. Uh, uh, Batman with Michael Keaton. I, I don't know if you've heard of this movie. I had. Uh, ha- have you have a you, little, little bit? bit um, little bit of it. Uh, peruse the uh, the Entertainment Tonight. Yeah. Was familiar with that one, <laughs> so it was on a double feature bill wow. with Batman. So it was uh, Batman UHF Batman, right? And so by the time Batman was finished, I was like, "This was great!" I'm like, "Ah!" And like coming up next, UHF, and like half the car checked out. I just remember sitting outside on the chair and eating like some popcorn or some snacks and just laughing my ass off. Coming up next, Batman. And I was like, seeing if we're staying, they're crashed already. And I'm like, well, until they told me to go. Right? So it was a magical fucking time. Right? It was just the 10-year-old me 10, 11 year old me coming out around there, mm-hmm. it was perfect. It was just, that's, it was wonderful. That's beyond phenomenal. Yeah, it was. So that was one of my favorite movie going experiences. So, so that is where it started. Uh huh. And, and the fact that it's still funny, it still holds up because the jokes, again, a lot of them are dated, but a lot of them, even without context, are just ridiculous. Even though the entire industry that it's based on is no longer around. That's why we'll we'll have to we'll eventually get to the discussion of how this film has aged. Mm-hmm. But the fact that your first time was just that, but you established that relationship through repeated viewings, which is why the second part of this story is so interesting because of this little VHS tape uh-huh. that established a relationship with a number of things. I think your entire persona can kind of be tied back to that. So. For anyone that may not be familiar with the Magical Mixtape, tell us about that. So back in the day, you'd get these tapes that it was like two hour, four hour, six hours, depending on the, well, well come, come, kids, listen to the time of the olden days. If you want to record something off TV, like a, hey, coming up next, next weekend is a Showtime or HBO free weekend where you wouldn't have to pay and you get premium channels, mm-hmm. uninterrupted movies, commercial free. 
random ass shit. That's so you wouldn't have to buy anything except you'd have to have you'd have to buy a tape, which is usually about eight dollars around the time, which today money would be about fifteen. Sounds about appropriate with inflation, certainly. Right? Um, and you'd probably have to buy a TV guide, which is about two fifty, so maybe about another five dollars now. So yeah, three fifty with tax, nice little chunk, right? And then you'd get the tape, and you can choose either you want two hours where it's super high quality, mm-hmm. or four hours where it's all right quality, or six hours where it's bullshit quality, but you get six hours worth of shit. It's got character, right? It's one that's not gonna last too long, <laughs> unless you play your cards right. There's a little tab that you click off, and it kind of preserves it from getting it after you record it, and it kind of makes it easier on the tape. There is some MacGyver-esque levels of maintenance. You had to know shit yes. to get shit done correctly. Unreal. Right? Yeah, Unreal. It, it was not, for simple shit, right? Simple shit. As, no, as it wasn't just, simple. It wasn't was... simple. Because if you wanted to watch a movie over again, like, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to watch X movie. I want to see this movie. Right? Uh, right. So We didn't have the internet, let's just no. say that. No. So the you accessibility to research, was... You have to wake up and... Right? It's a case in point. Like, Showtime Free Weekend was coming up. Like, oh... I want to see... I'm trying to remember which movie it was that I wanted to see first. I think it was Critters 2. Critters 2 was coming up. All right, bet. Recorded at 7 o'clock. Neat. Let's flip through the channel. Oh, in after Critters 2 in six hours, UHF is coming on. I want to see that. I think I can wait. All right, cool. So I got the tape after I recorded Critters 2, hit stop, left the tape in the machine. Then here comes the time. UHF? UHF, of course. Damn, it's late, because UHF would come on late. It was either it was either on early in the afternoon or way late at night. Weirdly enough, they probably knew their audience. Either yeah. you know, younger kids that were watching it or the like the, the, the college audience that was the, up really the late. Quote unquote unemployable, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Where all the commercials are. Do you suffer from neck injuries? Or like, like do you suffer from mesothelioma? Right? Or like the the bathroom ninja or some shit like that. That's all the commercials were. Right, <laughs> so I was like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna record UHF and I'll watch it later because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna stay up if I'm gonna know I'm gonna fall asleep, right?" So the next day, the next day, uh, I was like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna watch it." And then, like, coming up next, no holds barred. Holy shit! <laughs> Hell yeah! Right, and so from then on. I would have that tape with Critters 2, UHF, and No Holds Barred. And those movies are fucking rad. And so I wore that fucker up. So to the point where I almost needed to, there were crinkles. Didn't quite need to transfer it because I'm like, I'm not going through that mess. By then, I'd have them on their own VHSs. Yes. However, the experience itself of putting together that tape. The fact then, that I remember it vividly. Yeah, that is a memory. A memory that was capitalized at last year's Panic Film Festival, where you, Genius McGee, got to scene in duet with one Mick Garris, mm-hmm. whose wife wrote the theme for the Hungry Heifer. It all comes full circle. And I want to talk a little bit then from the, the Magic Mixtape, then to my first time viewing. Yep. Which was a surprise to you. Yep. Because that's a bomb, not necessarily like oh my god, phony charlatan, but no, like, but because I'd I've seen that, yeah, with you 
so many times yeah. throughout that kind of the first few years we really started hanging out and building the, the relationship. The first five? Yeah. <laughs> because I knew how much it meant to you. I knew how much of a phony I felt for having never watched it. <laughs> Catholic guilt. Oh, it's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. Shame. It's real. Holy shit. It's real. But I had seen so many bits and pieces of it that I could. I fooled you. Yeah. You had fully. I was. You had you convinced I had seen it. My jaw hit the floor when you're. And I'm so, like, so who's seeing this for the first? Yeah. It should be cut. So we were able to, and this takes us talk about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Back when Screenland still had Screenland Tapcade pre-pandemic. We did a monthly oh, film series. I missed that joint. Called Monday Mystery Movie Night, uh-huh. where the idea was you never knew the film that we would screen until we watched it, and then we recorded a live episode of Nerds and Nostalgia afterwards. Uh, we did it for many years. It was a lot of fun. And in fact, Tapcade was where we did Nerdoween initially, mm-hmm. where we did Christmas, Christmas with the, the Nerds. nerds. All, Whenever, that, all our shenanigans were at Tapcade. And you can't, technically, they, uh, they still exist. You can listen to them. Um, yeah, but going back to that, R.I.P. Many memories, many homies. many memories. Yeah. But we were able to throughout, I think, the two to three years that we did that Monday mystery movie nights, where we were able to program and view and screen and talk all of the magic mixtapes mm-hmm. from Critters Two to UHF to No Holds Barred. Doogie. All were great, but that first time when we did do UHF, we always ask again, who's watching it for the first time, and when I raised my hand, like you said, your jaw dropped, and it was so much fun then to not only experience first time in a theater with a crowd, but with you, under your best at the time behavior, doing your best not to quote the entire thing along, but under your breath, like... Because it's your first time, and like also, I was like... I was kind of watching you. You were peripheral viewing the entire like, time. To make sure like, eh, 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 right? Because well, it's like Weird Al, very divisive. Like either you like that type of humor or it's not your flavor. Now question, do you remember, I think the audience pretty much died. I'm trying to remember how many of the other people were watching it for the first time. I think I, like the like 90%. Because... Maybe. Because it's nobody saw it. It was against Batman. It was against, <laughs> it was against Batman. If I if it wasn't a double feature, I wouldn't have seen it. You know. <laughs> so well, and then so I loved it. I had a blast with it because to see how again how everything actually interconnects with each other. To like, are they going to show the whole video of this? You know, with the music yes, thing. Yes, they are because <laughs> they gotta fill time. They don't need to, but they, they gotta. Do. They do. <laughs> to this viewing. A proper at-home viewing where you could be unleashed, quoting where you will, not the entirety. You you were you contained yourself. Uh-huh. But before we get into that experience, I want to kind of look at a couple of the components of this film, and I want to start with another piece of nostalgia straight from the '80s, and that is Weird Al himself. Well, before we get into that, as we talked about my first time and your first time and my rewatch, what did you think about? Well, let's see. What did you think about your first rewatch? I mean, oh, it was your great. First, I'm sorry, your first watch. Oh, it was great. Like I said, I loved it. I thought it was everything I wanted it to be. Again, seeing how it all actually interconnected and then having those Rick Dalton character like, oh, they're in this movie? Mm-hmm. He's in this movie? She's in this movie? So, yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, it was everything I needed it to be. Good, because, like, taking off nostalgia glasses, it's hard to, like, you know, see 
especially upon a rewatch, if, if it's held up, you know, because like if Revenge of the Nerds is your favorite fucking movie of all time, you might like oh. like upon the rewatch, you still might be okay, cool. Not cool, but I still love it, you know, which I can fall in that, like, I still really find, but it's not cool. Oh, yeah, it's, no, it's... But, at the same time, going rewatch, taking off, going, oh, I'm never going to watch this movie, you know, you don't know where people can be upon rewatch, you know, especially with the nostalgia glasses on. Certainly, certainly. The baggage we bring. Right. The experiences can change. The the movies themselves won't, but our relationships can. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, then you've... Your relationship has probably changed over time from the you know the ten year old kid now to the forty something year old seasoned adult. It's still funny. Yeah, it's like I heard I'll him giggling, <laughs> gaggling, quoting. even before because I know yeah. what's coming up. It's still when it's timeless, inoffensive, mean, or an inoffensive, good spirited humor. I think it lasts the test of time. And it still tickles your funny bone, especially when it's ne- not necessarily topical, because this is a very topical movie with a lot, not Seriously. in a political way, no, but, but in a timely way. And the references they are looking at, poking, that were timely at the time, and then stuff that was probably like, why are they referencing that 30s film? But I think it's on the par with old Looney Tunes and old Three Stooges, where even if you don't really get the full reference, you get the gist of mm-hmm. it, and there's enough physical or absurdist humor that is like, okay, that's universally funny, you know? Because even if you don't know who Conan is, just a barbarian working in a library is funny. Listen, you know, some students know the Dewey Decimal System. Some don't. (laughs) They have to be cleaved. Exactly. But that's just it, though. It's so many ages of demarcation in terms of the references, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I think, as a kid, the silly stuff is silly. As an adult, the silly stuff stays silly, but then there's so much other stuff going on Mm -hmm. that I think that you can appreciate. The fact that Kevin McCarthy, who is very much a national treasure... And in his performance in this movie, I think elevates him to the Ted Knight status of like crack it, crankety bad guys, old guys. I've always loved crusty old guys. After this movie, he was my template of just crusty old, like old white money, yep. you know, just privilege. Plus, his like villain music is right up there to me as Darth Vader, the Imperial Death March. Just that. Dun 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 da dun. Anytime he'd come and say something villainous, and that stinger would come behind him, it was just great. John Duprez uh, composed this, so kudos. Because you know he's gonna have a good time. Kevin McCarthy would have to break character because he was laughing so much that he's gone on record saying that this is probably one of his favorite roles and favorite sets to work on, and it it you shows. Can tell. You it shows. It looks like everybody's just having a fun, goofy time, except everyone, the fish. Everyone <laughs> having a fun time, I think, is important because I think if you look at, if we go back to intent, mm-hmm. which is something we, we we talked a lot about in Into the Mouth of March Madness. Yeah. But to me, this is Turbo Kid. Well, it's Weird this Al. Is, yeah. Well, okay, Weird Al. Weird Al. I, growing up with him, he was always that guy with the mustache, and with the, the accordion, and a and Hawaiian, Hawaiian shirt. shirt. So he's a big fat and party he was, animal. And he was 
inoffensive. Uh huh. He was safe. He was silly. Food funny. based. Yes. Food based. Yeah. Universal. He was, yes. That's just he's a- universal. And I think that's the thing. The good comedy. If you can be universal, all not all things to everybody, but, but everybody's got to eat. <laughs> You know, everybody's got to sleep. Everybody's got to go to work. Well, everybody's got to. Everybody's got to do something. But he found his niche. Uh huh. And the it's fact silly. that he he was like a, a like a devotee of uh, Doctor Demento, mm-hmm. which we he pays homage to here in the movie. He's in the movie. Yes, and he started silly. He's a musical act, but he was able to find this like crazy little area of pop culture that he started in the eighties that he maintained relevance. Up to today, yeah, which is incredible. even more so today. It's it's un, it's unreal, and I know some people will use the term use the term or title of genius. That's only you, or brilliant <laughs> with a G. If it's a good but, idea, if it's a good idea, and it's not musical, it's wrong. <laughs> but Weird Al, though, has there is a level of intelligence and awareness mm-hmm. and being able to meld all that and 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 musical genius and musical style yes and musical like abilities and because he sings and he raps and he dances and he's a performer like his live shows are legendary right i sorry i'm gonna embarrass her amy and she would self say embarrassed herself at a weird al show a few years before we got so she's like if she's like i have to apologize to people because of how he affected her and how he affects so many people. Yeah. And but it's he's gone beyond the mustache and the you know everything, but he's still that's the platonic ideal mm-hmm. of Weird Al. One of the things that I love, which I think is one of our shared things, is not only the 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 songs that he's parodied, the things that he's done, but the stuff that he didn't get to do. Mm-hmm. And we go back to that Conan O'Brien clip. I'm that's too bad. It's, it's so like, it's brilliant. I every time I hear that song now. I sing, bok, 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 bok. I cannot undo it, and I wish. It was one of those things, it's like like that third Tim Burton Batman movie, where like, if it would have just happened, it would have been fucking awesome. Curse you, Paul McCartney, curse yeah. you. Yeah, chicken pot pie, it's brilliant, brilliant, but brilliant, brilliant. The fact that he has maintained, it's kind of like how with Wes Craven was able to establish a very specific and like decade defining film because in three he's decades. smart because yes. because he has a level of intelligence about w- what he is talking about he knows Wes Craven knows the human psyche and how to scare mm-hmm. he knows how to craft a scene and how to craft a well-developed character's demise with Weird Al he knows how to craft comedy he knows what is absurdist and funny enough and the timing yeah yeah. and just where it's wacky enough he knows where to hold back and where to push forward with still keeping their intent because if you listen to we say that he's inoffensive and, and 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 not that but if you listen to a lot of his lyrics and some of his deeper cuts he's fucking punk rock is all fucking get out all fucking get out. And, and the fact that he can sing and dance and rap and and create not only the parodies of the songs that he's doing, but to make it make sense. Because mm-hmm. you can make a parody of a lot of songs, but it, do, it doesn't flow right or sound right. It doesn't right. work. Even trying to like come up with limericks or poems that are fucking trying to 
It's not easy to come up with something that can be universally funny. And especially when you have to do, for better or worse, a nine-minute opus of R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet where it gets pretty fast to like the white nerdy, then going into singing Madonna songs, then going into singing Nirvana songs, <laughs> switching so many it's... genres and yet making it work and be funny. Mm -hmm. Because it'd be a different thing if, he was singing and he couldn't sing or if he couldn't oh, yeah. perform if all he could do is write okay cool but the fact that he can do all he's, of it he's the swiss army knife all of he's it he's unreal because how many how many comedians we know can't sing how many musicians we know can't like really write they they're they're great performers but they don't write their own songs right he does to other artists what cb4 did to ice t I can't sing, I can't dance. It's just, it's legit. He is the real deal. He is to musicians what the Simpsons are to pop culture. Yeah. He legitifies you. Yeah. He makes you. If you get parodied by Weird Al, you know you have something going yeah. on. Long-lasting careers. Yes. And you know what? Not throwing shade to, to um, Coolio. Yeah. I love me Gangsta's Paradise. But... We're still bumping to Madonna songs. We're still bumping to Nirvana yeah. songs. Oh, yeah. We're still bumping to a couple of Coolio songs. But at the same time, if Weird Al steps into your life, you made it big. It's a badge of honor. Yeah. There, ha there is something to be said. You are a made person. Mm-hmm. Like Gaga. Yeah. Gaga was, was big in a lot of communities, but it wasn't until when Weird Al parried her, like, uh -huh. Welcome to the world, Gaga. Enjoy. So he is someone that is just this passer of a torch who almost dictates what is cool. It's incredible. Again, the relevance that he has. For being uncool himself. Because you know growing up he was called like... He made the accordion cool genius. Mm -hmm. That's pretty freaking incredible. He did what Don Lipovac wish he could. Rob Berger wishes he was as cool as this guy, <laughs> sincerely. No, Weird Al is, he is an icon. He is an icon. Now, you mentioned the timeliness of this film in terms of what it contains. Be it the VCR, which does not really exist anymore and is no be longer relevant. UHF what doesn't really exist anymore. We don't have UHF channels anymore. This is a whole entire, people are going to like, who never seen this movie, now, youngsters, under the age of 25. Yeah, there's that. Again, the age of demarcation. Will not know what the fuck UHF is all about. Question then, would it play better as its overseas title? I believe The Vidiot. That's would it play dumb. better? That's dumb. That sounds like a Yahoo Serious movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And no shade to Yahoo Serious because I saw three of his movies in the fucking theater too. That's fair. So... But it just, I think it would get lost in the shuffle. But again, I don't know. I think UHF would add an air of mystery. Like, I wonder if this is like, maybe it's tied into Nope. <laughs> so for those that aren't familiar with UHF. Right no, again, Al, no. Keep, she the beast, she the beast. But for those, I'd like to think we st we have a little bit of an older audience. But if anyway, anyone out there that is a listener that doesn't know UHF, Again, this was that other side of the channel mm -hmm. on the TV before cable that everyone had access to. Because back in the day, if you the, had a TV, back in the day when you had like 
the fifties when they first came out, all you had was the three basics: CBS, NBC, and ABC. Mm-hmm. Boom, right? Then when the new came out in like what the seventies, I think proper. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Then it came out. There was another. Uh, what was it? Ultra high frequency vi- uh, broadcast signal. Mm-hmm. So then that would open up where you'd get more channels. There was like a whole bunch of different channels. But only four were available to you. Mm -hmm. And back in the day in Kansas City, we had... So you had four, Mm -hmm. which was a national broadcast channel. mm -hmm. A VHS, or which VHS one? Network affiliate. CBS and NBC. Four, five, nine. Mm -hmm. Then up the dial, you'd have, starting with the UHF, you'd have the 19, which was... PBS. PBS. And at the time, all it was was Sesame Street... And nature shows. Very educational. Very educational. But that's where I saw uh, Benny Hill. That's where I saw Mystery. And I was that one kid that liked to watch nature shows and animal programs. So you got quite an education then Mm -hmm. from PBS. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Plus, like, they showed Titty. Every now and then on one of their shows, because it was Masterpiece Theater, you'd see some Titty. And it wasn't like National Geographic. They'd have National Geographic on there, too, so there would be two, right? This was the day you took what you got. Right? And the only reason why I'm not saying... grateful. And the only reason why I'm not saying breast or whatever, because like in these movies, they're titty. They're they're proper titty. Oh, a titty! Ribald. (laughs) Ribald, a titty. So So from classy, going going up... So then... But it was also, again, it was public and like, oh, like Romeo and Juliet. Oh, Titty. Uh, then you'd get Channel 50, and Channel 50 I would bypass and, except on the weekends because like, Channel 50 was the Hallelujah Channel, and that's what we would call it. it was, yeah. The Hallelujah Channel is very specific, <laughs> but if you ever stumbled upon it, you know exactly what you we're talking what about. Saying. Fire and brimstone, fucking twenty four seven. Pray, pray for me and give me some money with like all the time. Now they and then I used to watch that Jesus manga, that Jesus anime. You know what I'm talking about? There was two Jesus animes back in the day on Channel Fifty. One fucking had like the Adventures of Jesus, right? And you like go around like Bible stories and whatnot in anime version. And the other one was another type of thing about these kids that would travel in time with this robot. And I just watched it because there was fucking nothing else on. And I would go around through Bible stories. Then after that, they'd have like, welcome up to Bible Bowl. And have like this these two teams. And they would answer Bible questions. And it, I every now and then, I just like fucking, I'm not watching anything else. I'm going to stumble, like, play with the channels and come on. And I felt like in The Simpsons when he's playing Bombardment with with Flanders. And like, you know, the the, the Lion of Bethlehem had the tail of the serpent. What is it? Uh, Jesus, you know, and then these kids are like answering, like, date, 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 and I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck they're talking about, but every now and then things would catch on, and like, so anyway, it helped in Sunday school. <laughs> I didn't delve that deep into Channel 50, Channel genius. 50. <laughs> Fucking, then we'd have 41. 41 was, uh, 41. 41 and was 62 were the last two ones. Those were the ones that probably I delved into most. Absolutely. 41 was dope. 41 was the one that had... Saturdays, they'd have Kung Fu Theater. Mm -hmm. And they'd also have Cremation Mortem Mm -hmm. on Friday nights. Mm -hmm. Right? And then, because during the week, they would have mostly, like, syndicate reruns. You'd see a lot of cheers, a lot of old school, like, you know, episodes. A lot of old, a lot of, like... Mr. Ed, mm-hmm. Beverly Hillbillies, and then same thing with 62. But 62, they had the cartoons. 
the my weekday, I practically set my schedule to the lineup after school of 62. 62 had the cartoons. Oh, 62. That was the first time I ever saw the He-Man cartoon. He-Man, G.I. Joe, Thundercats, oh, all the, the real Ghostbusters, oh. like all... Where- where inevitably the intro of the film is where they spent all the money, and uh-huh. then actually the cartoons themselves were just cut and paste, and yeah. just like, well, we reused it again. But again, we took what we got because that's, that's all, all we, we had. had. Yes, that's all we had. Think about it, you guys. And then when did what? our show this become sponsored by Metamucil? This exactly is. I'm sitting here fucking eating. Let me go get my Werther's. There's fucking Werther's originals right why there. Did they, why do you have Werther's genius? Because they're good. They're good. And I'm getting old, and it's a rite of passage, right? Wait, wait. This is supposed to make us feel better about ourselves. No, nostalgia. And I get it, because I'm the same way. Fucking with streaming, I spend more time looking at what do I, where to fucking find it. 200 channels and nothing but cats. Even growing up when we had cable, when we had nothing, we were still like flipping through the channels. There, all we had. That's why I would watch the fucking Bible Bowl and the fucking back in time Jesus robot. Do you think I wanted to? No. I was waiting for Ninja Turtles to come back on. <laughs> that's like, you think I wanted to watch Bible Bowl? No. If that's your thing, cool. But I'd rather watch Inspector fucking Gadget. But it didn't come on for another half an hour. So I had time to kill while I ate my cereal. Again, <laughs> that's I all w- I had. <laughs> Either that or fucking farm report. Oh yeah, fuck oh, yeah. all that noise. That was really early in the morning. Now, 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 now. Sometimes you wake up early, early and get the jazzercise, but that's a different story. That was also sixty-two. That Thank you very 62. much. <laughs> sixty-two. I squeezed cool. that between a Voltron screening right, on forty-one. I think right before a fucking Sailor Moon episode. Holy shit! <laughs> See, that's the good times. But sadly, sadly. It's just one of those things that doesn't really exist anymore. No, no it's a sad time. Dude, it, it literally was the Wild West. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's where you would have community broadcasting. That's where people from the community would get together and put on shows and shit. And that's when you would have like... You you could have seen people like us mm-hmm. doing this type of show back in the day. Mm-hmm. It is very because much because they needed shit to fill. That's why they had nothing but reruns. That's why Wayne's World exists. Yeah, and from a real Channel sixty two to a fake Channel sixty two into the very bean of this episode, UHF itself. This particular viewing was wonderful because yeah, we did just watch this at your house, the home. You know, a theatrical, the home viewing experience mm-hmm. where you get to club a baby it. seal to make a better deal. And you know, cool. I'll do it because I'm crazy. A lot of my voices and characters come from cartoons and Simpsons and things like that. And a lot of them come from VHS, UHF, because like, I'm going to do this and I'm like, it's the stereo, it's not the stereotypes, the archetypes. Again, it's it's edgy but inoffensive, it, you know, because like well, nobody's gonna you don't see him club a baby seal. And I was even I had to write a note because at one point, um, the not the far side. Oh goodness, uh, 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 uh the, the penguin, Otis, the uh, Bill, the cat. Oh, um, Bloom County. Bloom County. Thank you. Had a segment where Bill was running for president, and someone this press guy whispers to his advisor, and he looks at the for the photos. He goes. Bill clubbed baby seals back in 82. Like there was a pandemic of people clubbing baby seals 
to the point that yes, this is incorporated in the goddamn film. Well, remember every Super Dave Osborne was just Saskatchewan baby seal seat belts. <clears throat> it was horrible. Onion of the belt, a product of its time. Let's laugh at animal abuse, and then but at the same time, it's oh, he's not going to really about animal abuse. He's not really going to kill, but he also, and this is one of the things that I've noticed, with my brother, the seal's happy. You know, he's like, I'm along. Like, because if I go to my brother right now, I'm like, tell you what, folks, if I don't get another seal in the next half hour, I'm going to club this baby seal. My brother, without hesitation, do like that. So you've got that Pavlovian response, that language shared from a film like that. Same thing if I'm ever, even like, in ever, ever, ever in the kitchen and saying, hey, where's the spatula? He'll go, let's go. Okay, kids, let's go. Right, and sometimes I'll even do that. Like, okay, kids, let's go. Spatula City, Spatula City. Again, another joke that they won't get. I like it so much. I'm on the company. And again, as someone it's is hilarious. Lo- losing more of his hair, it's hilarious. I'm becoming more of a size Burling fan hilarious, myself. But it's so off the wall and goofy that even if you don't really know where it's, that reference comes from, it's still funny. Yes, it's still funny. That's what it is. Funny regardless if you know the reference or not. It's a deeper cut, yes, if you can appreciate it, but damn it, I still appreciate it. And that's why I think this movie works as, Mm -hmm. for kids and adults, it is the frosted mini-wheats of the film. There's just so much to pack and enjoy. And I will go this, from the cast itself. Of course, starting... Up and down. Uh, stacked. More stacked than people realize. Well, it's more stacked, I think, the better it is as I get older, because I appreciate more of the people that contributed to it. And I don't. And I we talked a little bit about Kevin McCarthy. Uh, of course, we actually got to see him in uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the, the remake, which we did as a Friday Night Fright. Mm-hmm. He's just that guy. He was in the mouth of March Madness in yeah. Twilight Zone. Yeah, he's just that guy that shows up, professional, crusty, old white money, like. He's the bad guy in goddamn Ghoulies 3. He's, He's the, the little crusty dean. dean that mutates into a monster. The whole time, I'm waiting for bum, 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 bum. I think he's one of those cats that elevates the movie. He <coughs> understands the kind of film, and he knows how to deliver a campy, over-the-top, but yet I loved him. Mm-hmm. Every bit of him reacting to that, oh, it gave me... And take that ridiculous thing off! Sight ga- this reminds me of the amount of gags per it's minute. It's a Zucker film. Yes, yes. It's a Zucker film. Back when the Zuckers were still pretty good. It's almost, right, it's almost a modern, and almost a modern day Kentucky Fried. But um, not as offensive, not as mean. Th- that's just it. It's, tongue is firmly in its cheek, but it doesn't have the mean streak. There's no venom in this. No. None at all. Well, you know what? I will say this. This consider this year 1989. Another, another time, another place. Morning. This is, there, there is some things Genius. that are problematic. There's. Couple- I got beef. I got not beef, but I want to say this. When we were watching it, we're having a blast. We get to the point where the Gandhi two trailer comes up, which kills. It's hysterical. It's ridiculous. But I'm watching it now, even on DVD. Yeah. They. I don't want to watch this in a 4K uh, restoration. I'm afraid because I'm afraid the. The uh, the yellow face in the room. It's pretty bad. It's because this is actually his writing partner. Yeah, and the director of the film, Jay Levy. Uh huh. And let's in the eighties. This is not the only occurrence 
We have Fisher Stevens in Short Circuit. We have Joel Gray in um, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. And that might be the reason why it never continued. Yeah. So there is that going. It is what it is. I don't think they meant any offense to it. No, and I'm not going to come up with any a lot of excuses where, like, oh, that's low budget. They're just working what they had. I don't know, but it's, I don't think there was offense. No, but I, I do know that they it. got – I do know even then they got hate from people like Gandhi um, because how followers. Because, like, it was nonviolent. he's not going to shoot up things and ask for ste- medium-rare steaks and party. And he also knows how to party. Gandhi too, so, so fucking silly. punching people through. through. The guy, yes, but I mean, also like there has to be. Uh, I'm not saying there, there's there's also a level of parody, but also there's a level of accountability because yeah. as we saw in a lot, as we saw in the deleted, deleted scene, scene oh, they boy. there's was stuff that was an onion of the belt yes, that was. was also a cheap gag, but I also think that they realized maybe that's too mean. So they and they had a line that they would be willing to cross. So they listen. They had it. I wanted to at least address it because it's right. Stood out it is, and, and it's still a lot of people do find it. I mean, do have offense to it as if it's, you, yeah. as you should, as yeah. you should. So that's so my that's only your beef. warning. That's my only beef. And there's that's also a minor beef. beef without dark it got with the dogs. Well, that's a different kind of beef because it's a beef. Funny I actually, beef. It's, funny it's very beef. funny. And I distinctly remember my first time watching the movie. I knew that scene, okay? I'd seen it. I'd watched it through YouTube. We're teaching poodles how to fly. I don't think I'd ever seen it to completion, where for the briefest of second, (laughs) you see the pile of poodles. It's a big pile. Oh, but it's only for a second, so if you're not looking for it, you won't see it. But when you see it, oh, it's so mean. And that entire sequence now is so sad. It is. Given that the actor himself passed mm-hmm. during the making of the film. And they dedicate the movie to him, which and is a great film to have dedicated to you. Well, Trinidad Silva, as Raul Hernandez, almost steals a movie from a movie that is trying to be stolen from so many different people. <laughs> and it's, again, the, c- the power of collaboration. Right. But their willingness to embrace the silliness and absurdity of a f- movie, of a scene like that, because we're both animal trauma sensitive. Yeah. Like, we will put out a warning. If there's any, if we know Serious that there's animal some... trauma, right? Right. But also, we're also aware that there's some level, like, okay, that's goofy. Yeah. Like in Stitches, when he's... Right, I'm like, okay, that's funny, right? And it's it's, and it's goofy enough where it's not mean spirited like Lords of Chaos. Now, question: Did you ever own a pet turtle, genius? No, thank goodness. But, but I, it's funny. Nature's suction cup. Right, it's great. It's iconic. That's uh, one, again. That's one of the scenes you remember, even if you've never seen it. Oh yeah. For some reason, you're like, oh, I think I know. It's yeah. But then the whole, and also him, like, shaking the, the ant farm. <laughs> His enthusiasm while he's doing it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's infectious. It's so wonderful. And then him again, uh, with talking about references that are still goofy. You don't know why they're goofy, but even if you don't get it, it's still funny. Like, Raul Hernandez, here's coming up. We got seven armadillos, 14... Um, Porcupines, three badgers, 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 
We don't need no stinking badgers. Even if you don't know where that's from, just the delivery, the nonsensicalness of it, the very like, very pre-Family Guy Simpsons cutaway gag. Certainly. You know, be- but there is a journey that the gag does indeed mm-hmm. take. Again, the comedy rule of threes, threes and going back to the side characters. Vance Conti Jr., the bum. My goodness, who has, I'm still, again, he has a great career because, as we often say, and I don't mean to mean this in a mean way, but as wonderful as Rob Bottin is, as great as Stan Winston was, God is still the Best or whatever the creator is, whatever creates this existence and will is the still the best special effects creator because that guy has a look, mm-hmm. and he was it was an employable look as he had a great career. King of the hobos, the Mount Mount Ra- Mount Rushmore of hobos. We have Buck Flower, Carmine, Carmine Philippi, this guy, this guy, and um, who else? There was another hobo. Put in your other favorite hobo, but those three I definitely think are top tier. Mm -hmm. And his character, who, as inconsequential as it seems, let's just say we have Chekhov's change Mm -hmm. that comes into play. As much because, like, when you first see it, you first see him and he's doing a gag. Yeah. Rules of three. 85, 95, one dollar. Thanks, Mr. Change. You got change. Change. Right? Thanks, Mister. Thanks for a whole lot. He's like this weird cross between um, what was that lion? He whole lot loves <laughs> that guy, and just like this weird that cat. Yeah, Pete Puma. That's his name, Pete Puma. And that guy, and he's just got these big Klaus Kinski piercing blue eyes. <laughs> he does. But he's also looks like he's made out of catcher's mitt because he just is. Weathered. Yeah, he's got this voice. This sounds like this, right? So he comes in and asks for change. Then the second time, he comes in. Well, he actually he only shows up four times. The first three are the set, the setup, the payoff, where he's like, and he meets the villain. He gives him the penny. You take the whole lot, Mister. Another thing, my brother loves this movie. So thanks, Mister. You know, and for various reasons. And then I bought a whole lot of shares, right? The third time of the payoff. But he's also in one of uh, the most absurdist and simplistic and very far sighting live action brilliant jokes. Just a visually impaired person playing with a Rubik's Cube. Is this it? it? Nope. Is this it? Nope. Is this it? Nope. Okay, so I, first time viewing, hadn't seen that scene, and cackled, because I believe that was one of your peripheral viewing experiences where you were under your breath going, is this it? Nope. And I was howling, having such a good time with that, and setting the best foot forward, the weird journey that we take. Uh, it goes into then. Hey, very, it's Billy Barty, Billy friggin' Barty, right? Who, from the Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. to Masters of the Universe, use the domes. 
to to over the rainbow, to which everything. Anytime you needed a monster, a creature in a suit, a little person, a diminutive dwarf, elf, anything from like 1950 to like 1990, 2020, Billy Barty was your man because he brought gravitas. Yeah. He could, he, and he and he used his voice. He used his own voice in the in, as a lot of the characters. Sigmund and the Sea Monster and no- Noodles Macintosh. What a name! I mean, that is a name to have as a character in a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Noodles, and then okay, and so then you have we're going to talk about Victoria Jackson. Uh, Victoria yeah. Jackson, yeah, She's she was good it. back in SNL, and then we also have now. Michael Richards did great in this. We have to address the elephant in oh, the room. Oh, there's another. God damn it. Let's address the elephant there in the room. There is that stand there's, up bit. There's a big elephant in the room, and then Victoria Jackson's a little elephant in the room. So, so let's talk about the big one. He's fantastic in this movie. He's so proto Kramer. Yes. The seeds of Kramer, Kramer were long planted in this movie through Transylvania 6 5000. To what we get, where everyone knows him mm-hmm. and you associate, but he does it well. He does it so good in this movie. <laughs> and he, oh, Stanley Spadowski, don't you like Bonanza? Right? Just goofy stuff. I had a candy bar. Like, this is pretty good watermelon. Tastes like poop. Right? Just random. someone that is sincere, that is genuine, mm-hmm. that loves what they do. I don't go, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, I do that with a guy on the string. If ever I find those parachute guys, or a Fourth of July, you want to go for a ride? No, stop! I'm dizzy. No, let's go. Right, I can't help it. I'm perpetually twelve. So many horror films have dictated the way you literally walk your way through life. However, UHF has now forever dominated how you will just interact with random things. Just random ass things. I'll say when I'm eating watermelon. If it is good watermelon, I'm like, this is pretty good watermelon. Tastes like poop, you know. So like it's just there. So he does great. If you can separate the art from the artist, awesome. If you cannot, awesome. I understand you know? as well, of but course. We at see the that same time nowadays anymore. Anticipate yeah. all your favorite artists. Artists just they're all probably shit. And so then those are the big ones. But then side characters like oh look it's Fran Drescher. Oh look it's uh oh who Gede Watanabe. Gede Watanabe. He's in this. Sweet, right? Well, he's everywhere. How could I forget, genius? Stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm so, so stupid. stupid. Some of the best gags in there. But then you go, okay, why does that guy seem familiar? That's a that guy, or that, or you didn't even realize who that person is because mm-hmm. the Fran Drescher's voice. If you know the nanny, <laughs> right? And I also, I'll go back to the Hollywood Nights where she shares a classic scene with one Robert Wool. It's well worth it. It's an old school boner jam. Nice. But then, uh, you like R.J. Flusher, his kid is actually Jombie from Pee Wee's yes, Playhouse. Is. And once you pointed that out, I could not unsee it or unhear like, it. Oh, so much so. Mm-hmm. All those cats, all the collaborators, everyone, and as they apparently everyone had a blast on set. Yeah. Like you said, and good vibes throughout. Even the goons. Well, okay, the great uh, David Provel. Uh, from uh, Richie Aprile from The Sopranos as the one as the head goon, I believe. Mm-hmm. And even now, here's the one that to me is definitely another age of demarcation in terms of your references. 
and is still from the first time I viewed it to this time again is still one of my favorite gags, both non-verbally and verbally, is the great Emo Phillips. Who that is wonderful. The whole like there there's lots of things that you have to bear in mind when operating a sophisticated piece of machinery like this. Tables off. That reaction. Again. Oh, I love that reaction. It's so fucking funny. First time viewing to this one still makes me laugh because it's all emo Phillips. It just makes me chuckle at the very beginning. Thank you, homeboy. You talk about a guy where it's all in your delivery from your vocals to how you're doing the movement. Yes. And very much a character that existed much like Bobcat Goldthwait, a specific persona on stage, and now translating it to just throw him in this movie because why not? And very funny to a particular set of people. Oh, and Emo Phillips is not for everybody's no, team, but I fucking find him hilarious. Much like this movie is not going to be for everyone. Right. But then after that, the Butterfinger moments. Yeah, the body whore. <laughs> Embracing the silliness of the blood splurt. So between that and uh, Conan the Barbarian uh, and Gandhi 2, they almost got an R rating for violence. That's unreal. Well, you know what? In the late 80s with the MPAA, I can see that. They almost got an R rating for violence. I can and see that. And they're like, what? And so how are you going to get this? is not because there was a lot of, but would you look at that? Call me Mr. Butterfingers. <laughs> is my face red? Just funny. Just funny. Hilarious. Hilarious. And just like the minor, like that big dude drinking coffee and tripping old people. Just like, whoa. It's, they take very Monty, Monty Python level, uh, at levels of excess to the gags. Mm-hmm. Let's just get one thing straight. Guns don't kill people. I do. Now, what you're not seeing is the look, because it's also the look that sells that gag. And when we were uh, when we we're watching this, there's a moment <laughs> when they have all of their programming in the back, mm-hmm. and it begs to be paused, mm-hmm. much like that scene in Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. where you want to see what all the programs listed are. The Wonderful World of Phlegm. Um, what else is there? What uh, was the Dyslexia, it, d- the dyslexic, the dyslexic hour. Uh, leave it to Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see what else. There At was fun with dirt. Under international underwater bowling for teens. Um, Stanley Spadowski's fun house. Sounds was fun. The, the thing. St- the, the Town foundation. talk was down the stuff. Town talk. You know, Will of Fish was down the road. You know, all the game shows. Spike and Mike. There you go. Uh, so Chef Bernie bowling for burgers. Very Verhoeven esque. But not as mean. It still very much plays a satire. However, a very, a very biting satire of the times. The, um, are you tired of cut rate funerals? You've tried the best. Oh now try the. You tried the rest. Now try the best. Plots are us. That and was very salad bar. <laughs> the bodies are out of the side. Very of Kentucky Fried esque, like you said. No, that's the the balance mm-hmm. on that is unreal. It's just so finely attuned. And so many references to old movies. Well, again, the mean, Treasure of Sierra Madre. That, well, fucking whole entire scene. Spielberg. The, the oh, so much with Spielberg. With Again, and the way the movie opens and just looking at some of the gags. It, number one, 
We open with the Orion logo. Dun-dun, just the old classic one. The, so, hi. you talk about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You're already, you know, wild and over it. But the, yeah, with the Spielberg, all the gags from uh, Close Encounters with the with the mashed potatoes, they know where to lay, you know, lay into the homages. Lots of food, because of course it's a Weird Al movie. So you have the the, of course the the mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes, my favorite. Terry, you shouldn't have. And I've been known to like, oh, right. It um, is known. It is known. The Twinkie Wiener sandwich, ah, which with, was vile, and they had to take multiple takes. And Weird Al actually ate the Twinkie Wiener sandwich and dipping it in, in milk. the milk. Ah, ah. Now, one thing that we used to do at the Monday Mystery Movie Nights mm-hmm. is we would occasionally, or I should say, we had a particular Abby on the occasion would, would force things down our throats. <laughs> Wow, that sounds horrible. Let's just say she would introduce... She would, she would entice snacks. us and introduce snacks to yes. us. Themed Potential snacks. To the movie itself. Abby's rad. And uh, there was the joystick screening. Mm-hmm, with the ketchup on the cookie. If I Bruh. recall, we didn't have this, or did we? Oh, I started a pixie, snick, uh, pixie the stick faculty for the faculty. Screening. I remember that. That uh-huh. shocked me. Yeah. Uh, the sardines for the burbs. Mm-hmm. But we did not. Okay, and thankfully. I'm glad we did not. Because listen, I like hot dogs. I like hot dogs. I like Twinkies. Like Twinkies. I like milk. Well, well I like you... lactose free milk. There we go. And cheese whiz, I think I can handle if it's that fake cheese whiz. Fake cheese whiz is great. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But sometimes. Not altogether. Things are better left. Just because things are good doesn't mean they'll be good, good together. together. Yes. Yeah. Unlike this film, but I would almost want to call this movie prescient based on not only the programming. But the types of programming, how weird it is, mm-hmm. this is a total call to like, I don't want to say YouTube culture, but what people now have access to. YouTube is the UHF. Public access, access of, of the world. Yeah, of today's day and age. Mm-hmm. And it's why I kind of think, non-ironically, I think the next generation of filmmakers are starting with TikTok and getting and putting their stuff out via YouTube. I do really think that's the kind of the next generation of it. I'm telling you, the sequel should be U Y O U H F, and I have like the Weird Al on the YouTube logo. But like the Wheel of Fish, we love game shows, no matter how stupid they are, and we love to talk shit when people fail at game shows. So why not have a game show where you talk shit? I mean, because look, I love watching Japanese game shows where they punish yeah. people who. Get things wrong. I uh, I don't know what that means there. Shinder doesn't walk. Right? So, like, I love that shit. So if I watch an American game show of, like, stupid, you picked the wrong answer. <laughs> I would kind of, because she looked fucking crunchy. She's all excited. I'll take the box, the box. You get the box. What's in the box? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Stupid. She's just sitting there like uh, fucking Charlie Brown. Christmas time. Now re- reactions, <laughs> authentic or acted, can help sell the film. And it wasn't until this viewing that you told me about a particular authentic reaction. Well, before the authentic reaction, speaking of Wheel of Fish. Oh, the real, the real story. So of it that? was a real. It was fucking. They're working all with real fish. On a hot summer day in a Enclosed studio video. with no ventilation and hot summer lights for hours, that fish stank. There's photos of them with nose guards behind the scenes because it was so vile. But it looked like everybody was having Fun. the best time on that, even in the thing. 
So, authenticity. <laughs> Another funny fucking scene. Uh, Bobo the Clown. Look up, look down, now look at Mr. Frying Pan. So, Weird Al missed his mark by a few inches, and it made contact with his face. And so, that reaction that you see when he gets up in pain, going, uh, funk, right? That's real. So we didn't do to have a clown down. That's real. And same thing with the dog treats. They all, they said, oh, no, yeah, they're cookies. They're co- We had them specially made. They look like dog treats. And a lot of them were, so they're like, oh, they, they, yeah. But there was a few, like, yeah, there you go. So they gave him, yeah. And so that death stare that. Uh, it's, it's real. He, yeah, he's like, I'm eating a dog. I could, I could even hear it in the, the horn honk. It was just an unenthusiastic honk. <laughs> so that it, that made the whole thing play a little bit better. The You know what else was real? Hmm. The Spatula City billboard. The Spatula City billboard. So in order to film it, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll let you make that Spatula City. Because they had to like drive and like, oh, look, Spatula City. Right? They had to actually rent the Spatula City. And so they rented it for a month. They only use it for like two days. Like, oh, just leave yeah. it up. The next person who rents it will take it down. Nobody fucking rented it, right? So for the longest time, they would call up, "Hey, where's the Spatula City?" Like the people in the gas stations would like the like, people oh. near the exit. They'd come off like, "Hey, uh, we saw there was Spatula City here. We don't know what that is, but <laughs> we'll go check it out because the movie hasn't come out yet." They're like, "Well, we'll, we'll see what Spatula is all about." Uh, there's no Spatula City. Uh, Spatula City is wonderful. Town talk is just transcendent. And it's because it hits such a particular time with that 80s TV talk show era. Geraldo Rivera, before he was like trash journalism, Phil Donahue. Yeah. uh, The the Sally Jesse Raphaels, Mm -hmm. the Morton Downey Jr. Before pre Jerry Springer. Yes. Jerry Springer was the wildest. But he wasn't the first. They crawled so he could crawl a little bit lower, I Mm -hmm. guess. But this is where you would have the crazy guests. You were hoping for some element of, like, uh, confrontation. Well, yeah, you would have, like, because they even mentioned it. You looked in horror when he opened in the movie Al Capone's Glove Box, which is a reference to Al Capone's vault, right? Uh, Which was a primetime TV event. Mm -hmm. Like, you, that was appointment television. They didn't find Dick, and then same thing when they had like not Anton Lavey, but it was like the head of the Santa- Satanic Church, and like how dare you make a mockery of good Christian values and da, da, da. and like on here uh, they blew the lid off Satanism. It has like a literal like dude in a devil costume. It's the outrageousness of it is the fact that uh, George will actually throw water in the face of Satan, and it escalates to the point where the murderers row of their <laughs> guests, you've got. You got a Klansman, of course. You got to have the racist in there. Mm-hmm. You got like a neo-Nazi, a Klansman. You have a prostitute, a dominatrix prostitute, a proxy for Jason Voorhees, and a little girl, a pigtail little girl. <laughs> got to watch out for the kids. And she's the most violent one of the bunch. <laughs> she's she's going for Achilles. But it's biting. great. It's great when you see the the Klansman just get a chair, and you just see that triangle hood just squished, very cartoony. <laughs> There's not a lot of violence, but when it does, it's great. Oh, and the, it's always good to see Klansmen getting hurt. Absolutely. That should be universal. Uh, the, the, the whole thing, though, with him having the broken nose and the bandage, 
That is from Geraldo, mm-hmm. who he, I think he did uh, tangle up with some skinheads, if I remember yep. right. Yeah, him and, and like neo-Nazi punks, fucking they oyed him. It was a it was a staple of eighties TV talk trash show TV, stuff. Yeah, tabloid trash TV. So Town Talk with George was very much again onion of the belt, but in such a sensationalized way, but also. Became even more popular with Jerry Springer, right? Because the audience got involved. The the punchline at the end of the joke of Time to Talk with George was the audience comes in and everybody fights. That was like now that was an everyday thing at Jerry yeah. Jerry Springer. Yeah, in a lot of prescience in this film. You know what? This would pair interestingly with Videodrome. Yeah, I could see it. It's just very they, prescient. You don't want to necessarily see where the pulse or the finger is on the pulse with Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. I go stay tuned too. Well, because those those will be two very problematic double feature. Isn't what's his bucket in? Stay tuned. Yep. Or is that Mom and Dad Save the World? No. Seen him both of those. Yep. He's the bat. He plays the devil. How can we not? How appropriate Jeffrey Jones playing the devil? Right. The little devil. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other things that we may have. Going to all the folks that we. Yeah, I think um, all my Rick Dalton moments were kind of hit there. Uh, what were some of your other bits that we haven't talked about? Well, I don't want to go beat from beat from the whole movie, but like, there's just things that just consistently hey, make me giggle. You know what is another uh, age of demarcation? Huh. A telethon. Yeah, because they're like, hey, everybody, they're back. Just the way he says that it. Guy. That guy. It's just ridiculous. Random. Just random. Like, everybody, they're back. Yeah. And then the Kipper kids. Yes, them. That's and again, back in '89, you didn't have the internet, so trying to figure out who they are took some time and discipline. And so, to be able to backtrack into who they are and what they did, right? It Just makes sense. Weird avant-garde, late '80s, yeah. hanging out with the new wave scene. Just like weird. Muppety, artsy fartsiness, weird. But the kind of stuff you may have seen though on a UHF station yeah. or one of the shows. I know I've seen those dudes. You see those dudes like with the parking, uh, not parking, the parades <laughs> when they would paint faces on their stomach and they'd wear the top hat and they'd make like their fat yep. whistle and like the old Uncle Sam riding stilts shit. But I never seen them together. That's weird. Their powers combined. Right? That's yeah. like odd. That's yeah, kind of terrifying. Like, I'll be fair. I'll be honest. I've done that like painting like, before. I'll come up and say that fucking not last week, but not necessarily recently. <laughs> it was back in the day. But um, I w- it was older than I should have been doing that. It's fair. It just makes you still young, my friend. But uh, no, it was <laughs> it's just everything is just madness, wackery, just goofiness philo philo as portrayed i did not realize this and i'm not big on one of the stories right and and general hospital is not really one of my story stories however but i'm aware of it even i know about luke and laura Uh uh-huh genius mcgee yes and this is luke this is the weird side of luke (laughs) this is a moment there's a moment in this movie the large marge side of me yes the kinder trauma possibly moment that happened because that's kind of spooky. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I, it is. I know it's not the Kyoto brothers that did it. They're not connected to this movie, but kudos whoever did Kyoto's adjacent because right. it's pretty effective. <laughs> but no, that guy's performance is just so 
almost like uh, what's his bucket in Archer. Uh, uh, oh, what is his name? Yeah, Kruger. Yes, thank you. Very Kruger. much in that kind of offbeat. Just I don't know what I don't want to know what they do when they're off time, but they still provide a lot of knowledge. <laughs> secrets, secrets, secrets of 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 the universe, universe, universe. Today we'll be teaching how to make plutonium from common household products. So wonderful, so wonderful. Uh, no, that's the main thing I wanted to make sure to cover and give a lot of love to. Yeah. This movie's wild. Top to bottom. Funny, 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 funny. The jokes all hit. Yep. And even if they don't, like, give belly laughs, at least you're like... <laughs> and just give it a second or two because you're going to get bombarded with another number of gags. And they're funny and they're different styles. There's slapstick. There's wordplay. There's look like, at that face. They, exactly. There's special effects. You got such a good face. Just... <laughs> There is some Judge Droom level squashing of him after the ball rolls mm-hmm. over him. Their sight gag where he's taking off his arm to attach a the little... a cleaver just to the point till he can some cut salami. Yeah, B, I see we meet again, Mister Brillenjerk. Just the mean. Let me be your hog. Just everything is hilarious your about hog. it, and you got to sing along with it too, which was. Kind of nice, and that's just one of those weird ass. Random. The fact that apparently the soundtrack of this film did not do well. The end song is kind of a dope. It's UHF great. is great. It's a great soundtrack. The the ballad of Jed Clampett. It's a classic. It's really funny. You know, actually, you know, I think that's one of the very. I think that's one of the few remakes or covers that probably surpasses the original, the original especially with current. Uh, climate and certain lyrics in that certainly, song, you know, because there's nothing offensive about fucking the Beverly Hillbillies. If you find something offensive about the Beverly Hillbillies, you really need to take an internal look <laughs> because they're wholesome family, just the hillbillies, just rich hillbillies. It's great. It's such a product of its time, but deliciously so. Right, much I, like this movie is again because I think it's not mean spirited. No, it's classic comedy. Just fish out of water but like with this UHF you have all this wacky cast of characters you have this madcap world where really anything can happen but it's not to the levels of just aliens showing up out of nowhere people bursting into flames that's there's still that but in sure. dream world sure you know when he thinks he's Rambo which is another Wonderful. set piece all time sequence all time sequence from that bodysuit that was constructed which when you see it from afar and you see it from behind, he looks like friggin' the Toxic Avenger. Right. Like, it is kind Rawr. of nightmarish. Mm-hmm. Which you could actually put with uh, Stanley Spadowski's mop and his need for that. Very mop-friendly. Actually, why haven't uh, the trauma team... Have a Stanley... Well, I don't know if you want a Stanley and, Spadowski... And Weird Al. I don't know if you want a Stanley Spadowski action figure. Yeah, yeah that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the indifference of the kids... With, with uh, what's your with Uncle Nutsy? Yeah, you know. So in oh. the German in the German DVD, they changed the Uncle Nutsy to Uncle Wacky. That's fair because they're like it's kind of close to something we don't really like Didn't to talk it? about. Oh, oh, well, oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. So only in the German version is it uh, Cat Uncle Wacky. Well, regardless of the name, then Billy's still spitting at Billy him. fucking rules. That hi, what's your name, Billy? Billy what? Puh. Just and it just it just drips, and the other kids trying so hard not to laugh. Oh my god, Billy trying hard not to laugh. Well, you're you're getting to spit, and you're spitting at Weird Al. 
Like, so that's got to be surreal. Them. Billy. Billy Whip. And then like, I want to go home. Shut up, you little weasel. <laughs> Just yelling at the kids. That's that's funny. His whole description of the, the, the cartoon, this sad, pathetic coyote. And it makes sense it's, when you realize it. Right. As he's continuously mocked and laughed at while he's repeatedly he's crushed like and maimed. Sisyphus-style kind of hero. <laughs> Dreams are constantly being crushed, but yet you got to do it again all Hope over. you enjoy it. <laughs> Much like Krusty would eventually do mm-hmm. in so many episodes of The Simpsons that you talked about. It's very Simpsons esque. Yeah. It's that level of humor, that Golden Age of Simpsons uh, seasons two through six, where it's just the world is still loony, but yet kind of grounded. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense given your sense of humor, what you seek out, be it in horror. Or out, especially outside of horror, right? That's the kind of stuff that just hits your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. To the point, like you said, this is almost like your horror version of Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. You know, a comfort blanket anytime. I can put it on and laugh yeah. anytime, <laughs> any place. Yep, I liked it so much. About the DVD, which we need to pick up that Blu-ray that because there is a Shout Factory Blu-ray that they put. I think about the time my we- DVD's wearing out. You had to do some MacGyver-esque work almost, to make sure we watched it in the proper aspect ratio. I almost had to break us being going back in the old timings. Um, that kind of weird Krull-esque, Kronos-esque contraption that you put it in, and then you would put drops, and then break out a little spinner. And brrr, the glade instead of the glaive. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then you'd be able to do it. But to your credit, it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked, which... Gave me a wonderful second time viewing of UHF. And it's also on 2B if you don't have it. 2B or not to be 2B with this one. Mm-hmm. So, excellent choice yeah. on this one, Genius. This I'm, was. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad the rewatch worked for you because, like, first time is one thing. Yeah. And then, because a lot of times, second time will lose the magic and diminishing returns, even with a full timer. But I've had a lot of time in between that first time and the second time. To th- and baggage has changed. Shit, again. Screenland Tapcade does not exist anymore, man. Right. So a lot of stuff has changed, but thankfully, my experience it it changed genius. It got better. Nice. Hands down, nice. got better. Now that being said, uh, we're actually going to be next week. We're going to the film that is for us because it's it's a king sized movie, mm-hmm. which means there's going to be some king sized guest stars on this one. Uh, what will it be? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out. So until that time. This is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Thanks, mister. Thanks a whole lot. Is this it? Nope. <laughs>